Bibles this morning uh, to the Gospel according to Mark, and we're turning to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, and if you're using the church Bibles, you'll find this on page 843. This morning we are looking at verses 24 uh, to 30. Mark chapter 7 at verse 24. And from there he arose, that is speaking of Jesus, he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. When you think of a a pattern, you're thinking about an arrangement that repeats itself. Uh, It might be uh, shapes, it might be colors, it might be numbers if you're into mathematics. But patterns are part of life. Uh, We see patterns all around us and that's how we learn. Uh, Someone might be in a lab and they're trying to diagnose something and they're looking for patterns. They're trying to see is there a a pattern to what the cause and effect is uh, to some issue uh, that they're studying. Uh, And so patterns are part of life. And when we come to the Gospel of Mark, uh, we could say that there's a certain pattern that we see emerging. We've seen many times people coming to Jesus and asking Jesus to heal them. And then Jesus heals them. And this pattern repeats itself over and over again. You think, for instance, in chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel, that there was the leper. And the leper said to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And we are told that Jesus, with compassion, uh, said, I am willing, be clean. And so Jesus healed the leper of his disease. He was able to alleviate his suffering. But that wasn't the only time that Jesus did a miracle to heal someone. We're also told, for instance, in Mark 2 about the paralytic. And you remember the friends brought their friend who was paralyzed. They brought him and lowered him through the roof to Jesus because they were hoping that Jesus could heal their friend. And not only did Jesus forgive the man his sins, but he told him to take up his bed and to walk. So Jesus healed the paralytic. But it wasn't just those two instances either. You remember, for instance, there was the woman with the flow of blood for 12 years. And how she thought that if she could just touch the fringe of his garment, she would be made well. And when Jesus discovered who it was that had touched him, he told her, go in peace. Your faith has made you well. And so Jesus, again and again, has this pattern of healing those who come to him for healing. But this morning we want to look at one encounter that Jesus has where that pattern seems to be disrupted or at least doesn't go the way we might naturally expect. 
If we've been watching this pattern develop in the Gospels, we might begin to anticipate how Jesus is going to react in every circumstance. But we see something happen here that gets our attention. And Mark includes in his Gospel for a purpose. It is to show us something of Jesus' purposes and how we're to think about the miracles that he does. We are looking at then one of the uh, difficult encounters that Jesus has. You remember in Jesus' teachings, uh, even during his own earthly ministry, there were times when Jesus said things that people turned and said, this is a hard saying. That Jesus said things that were either hard for people to grasp or they were hard for people to accept. It just jolted them the wrong way and they could not accept what Jesus was saying in his words. But it wasn't just in the first century that people found Jesus' words hard. Down through the ages, the church has also recognized that there are certain things that Jesus said that are considered to be hard sayings. Hard either because we struggle to make sense of what Jesus is trying to convey, or hard in the sense that we don't really want to accept it, or it strikes us the wrong way. And here in Mark 7, at verse 27, we are looking at one of those hard sayings that the church has acknowledged down through the centuries. Jesus doesn't react the way that we might anticipate him to react. And we're asking the question, why is Jesus saying the things that he says to this woman who comes looking for healing for her demon-possessed daughter? And this morning we want to see that we are to recognize our place before God if we are to be healed by his grace. And we want to think about these verses in two thoughts. We want to think about a hard answer that Jesus is giving. And then we want to think about a humble assertion that is given back. Well, first, there is uh, this hard answer that Jesus is given. We're told back in verse 24 that Jesus rose up from where he was and then he went to a region known as Tyre and Sidon. That would be a region that would be to the west and then the north of the Lake of Galilee. Uh, it is a region that goes outside of the ancient borders of Israel. So Jesus is leaving uh, the, the land of promise here. He's going into a region or to the vicinity of where Tyre is. And Tyre uh, is a region that had a long history of antagonism with the people of Israel. Uh, if you know your Old Testament, then you know that Queen Jezebel uh, comes from this region of Tyre. And it was the wicked Queen Jezebel who brought and established and promoted Baal worship uh, during the time of Elijah, the prophet. Uh, Jezebel was someone who had persecuted the prophets of God and had promoted paganism in the land of Israel. But more recent in Israel's history, uh, there was the wars that the people were fighting. Uh, if you go back a couple centuries from the time of Jesus, there was something called the Maccabean Revolt. And the people of Tyre had sided against uh, the, the people of Israel. They were fighting against the Israelites. And that's why one Jewish historian at this time in the first century described the, the region of Tyre, the people of Tyre, as a most notoriously, uh, uh, the most bitter enemies that they had. And so Jesus is going to a region here outside the land of Israel, but he is going there to find rest. You remember that this has been a theme that we've noted in Mark's gospel, 
Ever since Jesus has begun healing people, his fame has spread abroad, and it has been hard for Jesus to be able to get any kind of rest or refreshment. And so there's been this constant push for Jesus to find a place of quietness. And now here is Jesus moving uh, outside the land of uh, the region of Israel in order to get that. But as he goes there, he goes to this house, uh, hoping not to be uh, noticed, it says, but he could not be kept hidden. And there's a reason. If you go back in Mark 3, you'll remember that when Jesus' fame starts to spread, it tells us that there were people there even from Tyre, uh, that they were following him afterwards. And so when Jesus comes to this region, it's not uh, surprising that there are people that identify him and that are excited to know of his whereabouts. And that's true of this woman, that she knows and hears about Jesus and she has a problem. And so she comes seeking help. It tells us there was a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, that is, had a demon possession. And she heard of him and she came and fell down at his feet. And so this uh, person that comes to Jesus, we are told several things. The first thing we are told is, is that she was a woman. The second thing we are told is, is that she was a Gentile. Uh, she is explicitly mentioned as such. Uh, she is a Syrophoenician, um, which is uh, someone that lived in uh, Phoenicia or under the, the Roman governance of the province of Cilicia and Syria. She was not part of the people of Israel. She was not part of the covenant people of God. She was a pagan. She believed and practiced other beliefs. And she would have been brought up to embrace uh, the, the, the pagan beliefs around her. And so this woman who is coming to Jesus is not someone who is um, part of God's people. But the third thing that is told about her is, is that she, her daughter uh, has a demon. And uh, as you think about that, that could have been viewed as three strikes against her. That there were many religious teachers in the first century who would not engage publicly with a woman uh, for fear of gossip. Uh, and so they would simply avoid any interaction with a woman. Uh, there would be people who would have looked at a Gentile as someone unclean, a defiled person. And remember, we were looking earlier about the tradition of the elders and how they were washing their pots and washing their hands. Why? Because they were coming in contact with those Gentiles. And the Gentiles, they said, were unclean. But you see here, Jesus is willing to engage with a woman. Uh, he's willing to engage with a Gentile because he's recognizing that it's not the outward that makes one unclean. That Jesus is not defiled by contacting with and interacting with a Gentile. And even the demon possession is not something that prevents Jesus from interacting with this woman. So Jesus is here willing to engage with her when she comes to speak with him. And when she came, she fell down at his feet and begged him to cast out the demon. A very different reaction from the way the, the scribes had come to Jesus. They were looking down on Jesus for allowing his disciples not to follow their customs. But now Jesus here uh, is treated with a, a sense of respect by this woman as she <coughs> expresses her dependence and her desperate uh, situation. But that's where the pattern stops, isn't it? We would expect Jesus to immediately uh, answer and to fulfill this woman's request. 
But instead, we are given this hard answer where Jesus does not immediately uh, attend to her request. There's an absence where we would expect Jesus to say, let it be done, or uh, may mercy be given to you. There's that absence from Jesus there uh, instinctively or immediately. But it's a hard saying not only in terms of what is absent, but also in terms of what is asserted. Jesus there in verse 27 seems to at first uh, challenge the appropriateness of this course of action. Look what he says. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. And we're asking the question, why does Jesus compare uh, this woman's request, this woman's plea with throwing bread uh, to the dogs? You may love dogs yourself. Uh, You may have uh, a household uh, dog in your own home. Uh, Many people love to have dogs and they treat them as uh, family members. Uh, Going around the streets, it seems like every second home in Charlottetown has a dog. Uh, People love dogs. But we can't miss the point that uh, in the ancient world, dogs were viewed in a very different way. Dogs were looked at as uh, unclean animals. They were looked at as a miserable creature, Uh, especially when you think of wild dogs. They were scavengers. They ate garbage and they ate decaying flesh. And you see this comparison throughout both the Old and the New Testaments. A dog is a miserable state Uh, And we're asking, why would Jesus speak this way uh, to the woman when she comes to him expressing her desperate situation? But as Jesus does that, uh, there is an underlying uh, purpose to it. Even in the New Testament, it's not only in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, uh, we find this language of dog depicting uh, a state of misery. In another passage in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, Do not give what is holy to the dogs. And by that, Jesus was saying not to give what is holy to those who have scorned and hardened themselves against the gospel. Uh, The Apostle Paul, in one of his letters, he stresses that we are to watch out for the dogs. He's not talking about literal dogs there. He's talking about those who have a real hostility towards the gospel. Those who are wild in their attack. And will devour anything. And so Paul is warning the church about those who are in a miserable state of defiance against God. And he uses that comparison of dogs. So why is Jesus using that language here when he is being requested for help from this woman? And there seems to be two things that we need to bear in mind as we think about what Jesus is doing. The first is is that we have to realize that in this response, Jesus is speaking in the form of a parable. Uh, he, is, he is trying to describe the request in a way that makes it concrete what is being asked for. And Jesus wants her to see that there is a priority in God's purposes. The woman recognizes that her, her daughter is suffering, that there is a need. And so she comes to Jesus knowing and hearing that he is a miracle worker. She knows that, she, that he has the ability to heal her daughter. And so her recognition is is that he has an ability. But Jesus wants her to look at the miracles in terms of the purposes of God. The miracles that Jesus did are not to be separated from the unfolding of God's work. 
And to sever them would be to make them null and void. Jesus wants her to see that the miracles he did were to be signs of the dawning of God's kingdom. That the people of Israel were to know that God's promises were being fulfilled because these miracles are taking place. The deaf can hear, the blind can see, the lame can walk, those who were uh, oppressed are being liberated. These were signs that would testify to the people of Israel that their God has come to bring salvation, that the dawning of God's kingdom has come upon them. And so it is for a reason why Jesus devoted his life primarily to the land of Israel, to the people of Israel. He didn't travel the world because there was a purpose to his work. His mission, as we were reading in Isaiah 49, was to restore the people of Jacob. It was to build up the ancient ruins. It was to seek out the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was to fulfill God's promises that he would bring mercy to his covenant people. And so Jesus, in doing these miracles, is unfolding God's promises. He is actualizing everything that God promised would take place. And there's a priority that needs to be recognized. God's purposes are being uh, fulfilled. And Jesus here is drawing attention that it, it wouldn't be right to stop what God has ordained to take place. God's purpose is to fulfill his promises uh, to his covenant people. So he is using a parable here to highlight uh, the order of God's purposes. Uh, and it is important there to notice in verse 27 what Jesus does say. Notice what he says. Let the children be fed first. There is a priority that needs to be recognized. That doesn't mean that uh, there will be uh, no blessing towards the nations or the Gentiles. But Jesus is saying there is a priority here. That God's purposes was to restore Jacob. But then Isaiah 49 says it would be too small of a thing to simply restore and to recover and to save his covenant people Israel. But that God would cause his salvation to go out to the nations. That the kings and the rulers would come in. They would come to recognize God's work. And so we have to realize Jesus' words need to be looked at in light of the whole. We don't simply isolate one sentence, but we look at the whole encounter to understand what Jesus is getting at. Let the children be fed first, because there is a priority of God fulfilling his promises to his people. He promised that he would bring his salvation. He would establish his kingdom. He promised that to the descendants of Abraham, and he is going to show that to them as he said he would. But there is something else that is being communicated in this as well. When Jesus says this hard saying in verse 27, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. The designation, that word dog, is being used in this parable in contrast with the children. That Jesus is trying to concretely differentiate the people. That in the Old Testament, the descendants of Abraham, the people of Israel, were considered the children of God. They were part of the household 
They enjoyed the privileges of God's blessing. They, they were the recipients of God's oracles. They had the promises of God. They were those who had, they had the exposure of a knowledge of God and his ways. They weren't living in the darkness. They were given the truth of God. They were those who had access to what God was doing. And therefore, they were in a state, uh, a position of blessing, far superior than those who were living outside that knowledge. And so Jesus here is differentiating between those who are in covenant with God and those who are living outside as strangers, those who are not part of God's covenant. And so the, the designation of dog is simply highlighting that contrast. That there are some that are on the inside, those who are part of the household, and those who are not in a position uh, uh, of closeness or in a much inferior position. And so here there is this contrast that is being highlighted. This woman was, as we said, a Gentile. She was devoid of God's truth. She was someone who was living in paganism. And while she knew that Jesus was a miracle healer, it doesn't mean that she was someone who was uh, exposed to or someone that was convinced of uh, the scriptures. But she comes as one from the outside. So this one comes uh, looking to be treated uh, as one entitled to God's blessings, but she needs to realize that she is uh, an outsider, as it, as it were. God's blessings are for those who live trusting in him. So there is this hard saying that Jesus gives. It's not right to take the bread that is meant for the children uh, and to, to give it uh, to the dogs uh, first. But the woman here replies to that hard answer with a very humble assertion. Notice the woman in verse 28 is not put off by what Jesus said. She answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She isn't put off. In fact, she acknowledges it as true. She's willing to embrace what Jesus is saying. And she, you get the idea that this woman is actually listening to Jesus. And you get that because she enters into the parable that Jesus is telling. And she embraces the truth that is being conveyed. Jesus gives the designation that you're more like the, the dogs than like the children. And the woman still finds a way of saying, yes, but even the little dogs under the table still get to eat the crumbs. People have highlighted that the word that Jesus uses here is not the typical word for dog, but it is a word that means little dog. Uh, and so the idea is that Jesus is probably not referring to a wild dog, but more to a domestic household uh, dog, a household pet, one that would be under the table. And that is supported by the woman's own testimony when she says, but even the, even the dogs under the table, the household pets, they still get to eat uh, after the children. Again, many of you may have dogs in your own home. Uh, and you may have a, a certain pattern or a certain rule established in your household about how the eating will be done. And the reason is, is because you want to ensure that the dog doesn't spoil the dinner uh, for the family, for the children. And so maybe you have a rule where the dog can eat, but not until after supper. Or the dog can eat, but uh, not the same food as uh, the, the children. There's some way of differentiating uh, but it might be that not until after the children have eaten, then uh, the dog uh, can eat the crumbs. And that's the way this woman is entering into the parable. 
She's saying that even though the children can eat, it doesn't deprive the dogs of having access as well. And Jesus, when he hears this, he says, on that statement, you speak with truth. You recognize that there is still a place for God's provision, even beyond Israel. And he says, go your daughter as well. And she goes and her daughter is healed. It is highlighting there that, that God's provision, his healing does extend beyond Israel. But the woman's, her humble assertion there is acknowledging a couple of things, isn't it? When she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. She's affirming, first and foremost, the priority of Israel, isn't she? Because she's acknowledging that the children will get fed. She's acknowledging that salvation does belong to Israel and to Israel's God. She is affirming the God of Israel in the way that she affirms what Jesus is saying. But she's affirming more than just the priority of God's purposes and and the salvation of God in time. She's affirming something about herself. She is willing to embrace that idea that she is like the little dog. She knows that she's needy because she has a daughter who is demon-possessed. She knows that Jesus has the ability to heal. But she knows something else. She knows that she's not worthy. She's willing to come to terms saying, I need it, even though I know I don't deserve it. And so when she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs, she's saying there should still be a place of God's provision that should go out to even those outside. That God's blessing will extend not just to the narrow, not just to those who are descendants of Abraham, but it'll go to the nations. And that's what the scriptures taught. From the time of Abraham onwards, In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Jesus here is affirming her answer. It is a humble uh, uh, affirmation that she gives of her dependence, but also an affirmation or an assertion that God's blessings would go out uh, to the nations. The woman affirmed that the miracles of Jesus testify that salvation belongs to Israel, but the woman also affirms that she was completely dependent on Christ to heal her daughter. God's purposes then to bring salvation were being unveiled. And ultimately they are unveiled in and through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That this is how we can be healed of our sins. But the glory of the gospel is is that it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Both to the Jew first and to the Gentile. And that what we believe, the gospel is a message that all can be saved who trust in the Lord Jesus. That it is a message that came first to the covenant people of God in the old covenant system. But it is something that is extending to the nations. And that we who by birth are strangers to God's blessing can still have access to his grace. When we humble ourselves and recognize not only our need Recognize not only Christ's ability to save, but when we're willing to affirm that we don't even deserve it. Many people say this is a hard saying of Jesus because he uses terms like dog. 
Does it offend you that Jesus speaks to this woman this way? Does it offend you that Jesus would say that there are people that are far off from God? Does it offend you that you don't deserve God's blessing? Or are you like this woman who's willing to take the low position? A person who's willing to say, yes, Lord, but there's still a provision even for those who are far off. For those who recognize their need and who acknowledge God's purposes in Christ. Then we can affirm and celebrate that God's salvation is by grace alone. Many of you know the man John Newton, the man who was wrapped up in the slave trade, the man who wrote the the hymn Amazing Grace. But John Newton also said uh, at the end of his life, he said, though his memory was fading, two things he still has quite clear in his head, that he is a great sinner and that Christ is a great savior. Can you affirm those yourself? Not only that your need is great, not only that Christ is great, but that salvation is something that you don't deserve, but that you can trust on, on the basis of God's purposes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we think over uh, this encounter with the Syrophoenician woman, we pray, Lord, that it would not stiffen us, it would not put us off, but that as Gentiles, we would be willing to uh, embrace the designation of dogs, that we would recognize that by nature we are strangers to you, but we pray, Lord, that by your grace we would see there is mercy uh, in Christ. Go before us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.